We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how's it going? I'm doing well, man. We're coming off an absolute stomping <laughs> of uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. We just called that game for playback. Uh, it was fun to do a Sunday afternoon game. Uh, yeah, it, in the midst of... Uh, I know the Cardinals had a bye this week as well, so we were a little worried about interfering with football, but I think it worked out. definitely worked out for the Suns. So, yeah, doing pretty well. That team is bad, man. <laughs> that team is so bad that it actually ruined Devin Booker's chance to score 40 points or for four games in a row <laughs> because there was no reason to play basically anyone in the starting lineup for the last 18 minutes of the game. Honestly, they could have probably started the bench in the second half of that game and, and still uh, found a way to win that game. But the Suns absolutely think- destroyed them. I think I've asked you this before already, although I can't remember if it was on a podcast or not. So here goes again. Right now, you've got the Magic. You've got the Pistons. uh, You've got the Spurs, the Rockets, who we lost to on Friday night. I don't think we're going to talk about that game in great detail. Mm -hmm. Who are you rooting for in the Wemby sweepstakes at this point in the season? Because it's basically four or five teams who are heavily in it. Yeah. um, I would like him to be East. If I took that out of it, the Spurs is kind of fun, in a way. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Really? <laughs> well, just the fact that, you know, not that they wouldn't do a good job with him. I think they do a great job with him. But you, it's You like, kind of want one of those organizations that's, that, that has a track record of handling stars it's more, to have him, right? With the Spurs, it's more just like, been there, done that. I watched you dominate <laughs> the league and fuck everyone else yeah. over for 20 years. I'm not sure we need to do that again. You want him I in more of, a, more of a Luka scenario where you're just not go sure? To, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, go to Orlando, man. Play with Paolo. That would be fun. That That's would be where I'm at so pretty far. insane, go to De- yeah. Go to Detroit. Detroit is probably, like yeah, for the East. There are other, other good options. I mean, Cade and Wemby would be fun. I think you could just picture it. And they play uh, complementary positions so they could play off of each other in really interesting ways and i could see that being really fun let's talk about devin booker though because this is you know we recorded and sort of an emergency podcast slash patreon podcast to talk about his 51 (laughs) point game uh you know he had 44 in the game before that he had 41 in the game after that and then the spurs game as i mentioned didn't have to play enough minutes to to do anything really was kind of stat padding assists if anything towards the end of his run in that Spurs game. And I think now he has firmly planted himself in the MVP race and as part of the overall conversation, which I think for the MVP, it's important to establish yourself as an MVP candidate early. Other awards, I feel like it's good to have like a late push. I think for the MVP... It's almost better if you start that conversation early on in the season and then you can build on it uh, as 
the season progresses. And I think it's now point. it's something where I think other people nationally are taking him seriously as an MVP candidate so far. It, come to think of it, can you think of a single MVP candidate in recent years who just like suddenly appeared out of thin air like yeah. 40 games in and then went on to win it? I'm not sure I can think of one. I, I feel no. like there's usually there's usually a guy who makes that push late in a season to where people are like, you, you know, I feel like typically it's like a two-man race. And then one race in particular that I would think about is when it was like Russell Westbrook v. James Harden v. Paul George as like that third guy who like 55 games in. Do you remember, Paul, you know, when yeah. Paul George was with? Yeah. And people were, were kind of inserting him into the conversation. We're like, well, should he maybe be in there? Or, uh, you know, stuff like that. But but no, most of the time, I, I agree with you. It's, it's best to establish yourself early on in the mm-hmm. first 20 games or so. And the way to, best way to do that, obviously, is a combination of stats and record. In spite of the fact that we've seen increasingly more and more guys um, kind of collect votes from the media in recent years, uh, despite not necessarily having the record. And so that's going to be the big debate <laughs> again this year. As we progress along, it's going to be, you know, obviously Luke is going to be there. Obviously, uh, Jokic is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I think for guys like that, the question is going to be, as we get further along in the season, um, are their teams actually going to be good enough right. for for an MVP narrative? And that's what Whereas, you're talking about, Giannis and, and Tatum. Maybe, yes, and, and, and absolutely on the other end of the spectrum and in the other conference, literally, mm-hmm. those guys are currently the front runners. Mm-hmm. I think. Maybe, well, maybe not Giannis necessarily, but Tatum being there where the Celtics are um, appears to be at least from a media narrative standpoint, he appears to be the front runner. And that actually reminds me of another question I asked you just on the playback mm-hmm. today, but I'll mm-hmm. repeat it here for, for the many more people who listen to the podcast. Does it bother you? that Jalen Brown is having mm-hmm. as good of a season as he is. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 26.6 points per game as of today. Right. And the Celtics have been fantastic, and they deserve so much credit. And, you know, we're, we're not even talking about the fact that the Suns play the Celtics this week on Wednesday, and that's going to be a very, very exciting matchup. And I obviously, like, I can't wait to watch that. Does it bother you that Jalen mm-hmm. Brown is having such a good season, averaging 27 right. points per game, and yet Tatum seems to win the MVP narrative? Yeah. Whereas here's Devin Booker. He's averaging 29.5 points per game. Mm-hmm. In three of the past four games, he scored 40-plus, 50 in one of them, mm-hmm. 51 technically. And his second leading score is Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre right. Ayton at like 16 points per game. You know, he just doesn't seem to have the same level of secondary score next to him. Why is it Tatum in first right. place? Does right. that – like when I ask myself why is that the case, I, I can come up with a few different answers why. Boston. But first of all <laughs> – does it bother you? Uh, I think, no. I, I, I make jokes about East Coast bias and, and narratives that benefit East Coast teams, but I also think it's real, and that really does happen in that a lot of people stay up. I know people that cover teams in the East that stay up late enough to watch the Eastern games and then go to sleep. And then You know <laughs> Bill Simmons personally like that? That's crazy. <laughs> and he lives in L.A. Uh, but <laughs> he does? Wait, he does? Yeah. I did. Oh, because that's where the ringers had. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, okay. but uh, as far as, yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown's averaging like more than one and a half DeAndre Ayton when it comes to scoring, you know, to your point. It's it's a pretty significant difference between the second best player uh, as far as scoring on the Celtics and the Suns. And I think it does bother me, yes, uh, to some extent. I don't think that anything is settled this early, so... You know, him getting MVP love, Tatum, I think it's earned. He's really amazing. He's incredible. He's put up some amazing games. You know, Devin Booker's the only player to score 40-plus in three games in a row this season. A couple other players have done it twice in a row. Tatum's not one of them. Um, But Booker has done that as well. But I do think, you know, you said stats and record as far as those go. That's important to actually be in the race. But, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, and I think is almost more important is narrative and I think the Celtics <laughs> have one narrative which is that they lost their coach at the beginning of the year and they're still winning a bunch of games and that mm-hmm. helps them a lot um, on the other hand the Suns also have a narrative case to be made for them and for two reasons one all the turmoil in the offseason including no owner basically this year and two if Devin Booker was doing exactly the same thing but Chris Paul was still playing exactly all of the people who don't watch the Suns would split the credit between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've been doing for two seasons. That's, that's the 
that's the biggest difference. Yeah. In my opinion, it's just if Chris Paul was there doing his typical 16 and 10 thing. Yeah. Every night it wouldn't be Booker wouldn't be where he is. But because he's gone, because he's not playing, and even when he was playing, he wasn't playing up to his normal standards, the case, the narrative case for Devin Booker is pretty clear, and it's even bolstered by the fact that there's no Cam Johnson and there's no Jay Crowder. As Suns fans and Suns media, including you and I, will continue to remind people of because it is remarkable. The Suns have the best record in the West starting Cameron Payne and starting Torrey Craig, and starting Dario Saric. You know, this is all over the place this team has been, and they're still maintaining the best record in the West. And, you know, the West Shout has out been Dario Saric tonight, yeah, by the a way. Good had, a, yeah. had a good game. That wasn't impressed with him on Friday in general, but tonight hit his shots, did what was asked. Um, a lot of what we talked about in the Devin Booker internal development episode was if this happened and this happened and this happened, there could be a case for him to be the MVP. Those things have happened and Chris Paul was hurt. You know, <laughs> yeah, like there's yeah. two things added on to that. And now there is a case. For I him still to be think, MVP. you know, I've re- I'll reiterate this again because I brought up this point a lot, but like just to demonstrate the scoring inflation, the, the inflationary period that the NBA is going through right now, there are still five guys in the NBA averaging above 30 points per game and none of them are Devin Booker. He's ranked seventh as of now. I just think if he could get like, like, there's such a minuscule difference between 29 and a half per game, which is what he's currently at, and 30. But if he can get above 30, and if he can get technically into that top five, I think it just looks so much better to um, kind of the narrative creators, if that's how we're talking yeah. about them. Like, yeah. like Shea is still, a- Shea is averaging, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and Shea Gilchrist Alexander is averaging 31, 5, and 6. Which also, by the way, it's because of stuff like that, we're not even sure, like, we're not 100% sure if Devin Booker's going to start the All-Star game. Yeah. Because fans need to actually vote for him, and coaches need to back him, and mm-hmm. the Western Conference has Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, I mean, Luka should be a forward, but it has Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, who are all technically scoring more than Devin Booker on a per-game basis as of today. Right. It's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, it'll be really tough. And I think, you know, the Suns have the wins on their side Coaches usually try to reward wins, and we'll see where the Mavs are at that point in the season. I think it'll be really interesting, and I do think that some of those scoring averages will start to go down as the season progresses as well. I, you know, I think teams will start dropping off, and things things will happen that will change things. But I do think it is interesting. One of the cases we made for Devin Booker last year was, well, he doesn't need to score all that much. It doesn't mean he can't. <laughs> and you know, you're kind of seeing that happen a little bit this season we'll talk well, more I think about we were, mm-hmm. I, no just i think we were always kind of on the same page if booker could continue to do his thing yeah and play his role sacrifice that does, you is know, good sacrifice is good continue to play his role where he maybe gets 20 touches fewer than mm-hmm. other superstars around the league and averages 25 or 26 points per game next to an elite chris paul and elite deandre and mikhail bridges whoever um it just so happens that this season now that chris paul has gone down and, and a exactly. bunch of other factors yeah. have come in well yeah i mean of course he was always capable of averaging 30 a game if he wanted to mm-hmm. i don't think that's ever been in question mm-hmm. for us yep and now we're seeing uh the season where he's doing it and look he may not have to if, if other players continue to play as well as they've been playing so far uh we'll see how those average are averages are impacted by that because you know games like the Spurs game where they're up by 40 early in the game doesn't have to play the fourth quarter doesn't have to play half of the third quarter those averages get impacted by that over time and you know as as silly as that is sometimes that actually does impact the way that guys who vote view it because they're looking at the box score first and foremost and then everything else flows out from there Um, let's go over some questions we asked for some questions on Twitter we're going to try to answer as many as possible right now and see how many we can get done. And yeah, this will be, I think, our first unofficial mailbag, I guess, of the season so far. I uh, believe so, yeah. Once again, I'm going to let the Twitter algorithm decide which questions I get. I just clicked the tweet. I'm going to go from the top <laughs> and read as many as we can before we get to a little over an hour here. First one is from our friend Kellen Olson. This is not basketball <laughs> related, so we'll keep it short. I didn't you should choose. have should have saved this for the for the end. I know you just said you killed my algorithm, but well, there's another. I'll skip. There's another one that's non basketball related. Next, I'll just skip that one and then try to remember. 
Rain, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? So Kellen Olson wants our opinions on rain. I'm going to say it's underrated, and I don't really feel I need to explain. I, I think it's definitely underrated because I like having crops. Yeah, um, we're running out of water in Phoenix. <laughs> I feel like in Phoenix, you guys definitely would like celebrate yeah. rain when Rain's it happens, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People like rain every... I mean, we like rain here too, I think. It's just like if it's like four or five consecutive days of it, then you start to... Well, that's but when I feel it becomes like that, overrated, yeah. That doesn't happen in Phoenix if I had to guess. No, so. almost never. Yeah. No. Um, all right. At Suns Cards 1001 said, do you think Damian Lee, one of our favorite topics here, can be an actual playoff bench contributor or is this a case of the regular season making him look good and we should look to upgrade? It's a good question, I think. Look to For, upgrade? Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric Gordon kind of plays the same position, right? Yeah, I mean, he does technically. I, you know, the Suns have done a bunch of that thing with playing Landry Shamit and Damian Lee at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting about that is they've done it in various different combinations. And I think you've definitely talked about this as well. But it's like Landry Shamit and Damian Lee playing together as the one and the two. Don't do it. Doesn't work. You need to have like an actual point guard on the floor who can run the sets. And neither of those guys as a point guard is a problem. Now, Damian Lee and Landry Shamit playing as the two and the three next to a point book or a campaign or whatever, like someone who can mm-hmm. actually get downhill, generate some momentum in the offense, that you could you could convince me on. You know, like I think that has worked in some specific moments. And um, I guess the, if the question is, should we look for an upgrade? Well, you know, obviously that lineup that I'm just talking about there, that they're short and they're lacking in defensive length. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have no place in the playoffs. And if you were looking for any sort of upgrade, I think I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but, you know, I would be supplanting uh, Landry Shamit and his mm-hmm. spot in the rotation before I look to replace Damian Lee. You know, like I'd rather throw Damian Lee out there as a small ball three, have him stand in the corner and shoot threes and upgrade the shooting guard position. The guy who, who you know, who's playing Landry Shamit's role, essentially, uh, before I take Damian Lee out, because I just think he's been I mean, he's literally top five in the league among qualifying players in three point percentage right now. You know, you just like continue to roll with that for as long as it's going. Yeah, I, I just feel like there's no reason to start doubting him right now. He did lose minutes as the Warriors runs sort of went on. He lost minutes towards the end of every playoff series. And and I think something similar could happen with the Suns as they tend to shorten rotations. But I don't think there's any reason to start doubting him right now. I do think the Suns have time to make more decisions and do some more uh, analysis on that, right? They can watch him play up until the trade deadline and stuff like that. Or even if they keep him beyond the trade deadline and don't make any adjustments, they can decide if he's the one that plays those minutes or if there's anyone else that plays above him. But as of right now, he's a good team uh, defensive player that shoots uh, extremely well. And those guys usually play minutes in the playoffs. You know, they're not going to, start or in you know play extremely important minutes in the playoffs but it's hard to take guys who shoot you know 60 percent in the fourth quarter out of the game for a team that desperately needs more three-pointers you know i have a feeling he's gonna he's yeah. gonna play as he's of right been now, so cr- he's he, it, it's been one month to the day literally the day we're recording this at least that cam johnson has been out of the rotation yeah which doesn't it isn't that kind of crazy doesn't yeah. it kind of feel like time has flown by yeah like, to me, that's a good thing, first of all, because the Suns I haven't, haven't been, been terrible. <laughs> obviously, because yeah. the Suns haven't been terrible, but also I haven't been thinking to myself, like, I don't wake up every day and my first thought that <laughs> runs through my brain is, I miss Cam Johnson. We yeah. need Cam Johnson back. It hasn't felt like that watching the games to the point where, obviously, I know this would be a much better team with Cam Johnson in the rotation, but I can kind of put it in the corner of my mind and be at peace mm-hmm. with the lineups that Monty, for the most part, is throwing out. And Damian Lee is a huge, huge, huge part of that because he has just been on fire uh, in terms of allowing the Suns to to have an acceptable level of spacing in their offense. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's go to the next one here. How are we feeling? This is from Suns fan Zach. How are we feeling about development and continuity? I don't want to admit JJ was right, but this bench continually improves. Improving this way is starting to look genius. So he's referring to not only the two concepts we talked about incessantly in the offseason, internal development and continuity. 
Um, one which we like more than the other, and both of them have become somewhat of a punchline, I think, on our podcast. And look, I'm I think that James Jones is really smart and really good at identifying players that he believes will be good in Monty Williams's system. And I think a lot of those players are really great in the regular season and you shouldn't overthink it and you should try to improve at the top end as much as possible for the playoffs. What I didn't anticipate before the season began is the West looking kind of mid right now. (laughs) Whether or not that continues, I think will have a lot to do with how well the Suns can uh, play in the playoffs because I thought the West was going to be this monster this season and they didn't, mm. they didn't start out that way. Not at all. Now I will say it's a dangerous game to go out into the trade market and say January, February looking for upgrades specifically so that you can beat one team. Dangerous game to do that. But, but there is one team and there is truly only one team and we should have a more extended conversation about them at a certain point. We don't need to do that today. Um, One game back of the Phoenix Suns right now in the Western Conference standings, they are the second seed. They are by far the second best team in the Western Conference in terms of net rating. We played them in the playoffs last year. They are the New Orleans Pelicans. And if I look at the conference right now and I try to identify the things specifically that I think the Suns lack, it's still, yes, they have tons of guys who fit in Monty Williams' system. They play .5 basketball. They don't turn the ball over and they move it really well. They still are missing a certain top level athleticism um, and 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 top level rim point generation or rim field goal generation um, and and defensive length as well because it it matters on the other end that would be very very clear I think if you played a playoff series against the New Orleans Pelicans where there's Zion at power forward every night and they oh and there's Brandon Ingram guess what you have to guard him too and he is a 7-3 wingspan and there's Jonas Valanciunas and he's scooping up 20 rebounds per game you know it's like not necessarily that they need to make a trade to beat the Pelicans Mm -hmm. because I think there are a ton of other like the Pelicans are inexperienced and there are maybe other teams in the West that could beat them on the way to the Western Conference Finals but it's like you need to be thinking about that sort of thing and there are certain matchups that scare me a lot more than others right now. And definitely long athletic teams like the Pelicans and the Bucks are another one, even to an extent, the Celtics. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to pose an, an issue, all of those teams, for the Suns. And the Suns play the Pelicans on Friday. Uh, so, And maybe even a playback day. I think, <laughs> I think we could probably plan on doing I think that we one should, on playback. I think we should just put it up to a poll, to be honest. There, there are two, because I'm willing to stay up. I think I've decided on this mic in the past hour (laughs) since we last (laughs) talked um there are two really awesome games this week wednesday against boston friday against new orleans yeah we'll probably just put a poll out on twitter and ask we're only going to do one on playback but whatever the fans decide we'll probably just do that game on playback it's a good idea either Um, one's going to be tough though we're talking about potentially making moves and this is from from uh fimbrasaur on twitter what's the most realistic trade you both want to see they're talking about potential improvements you know we talked about it specifically as it pertains to Damian Lee uh I mean do you want to bring up Julius Randle here (laughs) you don't want him so I don't think it fits the question I guess if we're talking about something we could both agree on that makes it interesting I think we unless you're telling me that you've changed your mind on Julius Randle but I don't believe no I'm still not really there no I don't think yeah so yeah, I just don't. I think he changes how the Suns play so much that I'm not sure it helps. Um, but Eric Gordon is that the guy that we could both agree on? Yeah, he's safe. He's Eric safe. Gordon's a safe name that you know is better than I mean, <laughs> better than Landry Shamit could just stick in the backup guard rotation. Sure. And his defense has been pretty good this season. Still, like individually, if you watch him play, I think as far as team defense goes, it's hard to judge based on how you know who he plays with. You know, you do see a game like when the Suns played Houston and lost. He was like 0 for 6 to start the game and then hit a clutch three-pointer at the end. But you do see how he can sort of fade into the background in certain games. And I do think guys that shoot a ton of threes like that just have games like that where they are just nowhere to be found for certain parts of the game. And if they can play... stoppers. Yeah. But if they can play defense like him, at least somewhat effectively it really helps their their value, especially if they do some level of shot creation, which he can do as well. 
Um, that's probably a safe one. I mean, if we're going to, I don't know if Bogdan Bogdanovich is safe. I'm sure we can both agree he'd be good. I just think the yeah. Suns have a forward problem where they need to find players that can play forward pretty exclusively because they're running out of them, especially now that Torrey Craig has also injured. Uh, anything else to add on that? No, I, th- I think those are the safest names that we've covered. All right. This sure. is from Ian. He said, should youth be a point of emphasis in our rotations and when we are in trade discussions. Any young players come to mind on the trade market with the hmm. three likeliest trade candidates, Crowder, Dario, and Sham. It's funny because we just brought up Eric Gordon, who's like the oldest player on the planet um, <laughs> in this yeah. discussion. But what do you think? It, it's it's hard to acquire that type of talent on the trade market, at least not in the way that you typically think, right? So a lot of the guys who are in trade discussions actually tend to be even the young players. Like um, I'm trying to think about a guy like John Collins, for instance, right? Has been on the trade mill forever. He's what, 24, 25 years old. You know, maybe you could trick yourself into thinking we could squeeze something out of John Collins that the Atlanta Hawks have not. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it just tends to be that type of player who's already approaching their ceiling like pretty quickly um and the guys who are already unanimously considered good but also say only 21 or 22 years old Mm -hmm. and are second year or third year players like much younger than a john collins those guys don't they don't get shipped out unless it's for a legitimate star like they don't get shipped out unless they're pieces uh to to build towards a franchise altering move you know yeah um the, think, the 20 the 21 22 year old like young players who tend to get shipped out are guys who are kind of being like given up on because they've been really exactly. bad in their first yeah. two or three years and or so the team if you is wanted just to ask trying to win but not performing well kind of like how we got kelly Oubre. yeah right yeah i guess kelly Oubre is kind of that even kelly Oubre, i feel like was already 24 was like yeah. fourth season maybe yeah. but but yeah he might be that you're not really going to get the, the young guys who have the upside. Like I know, feel like most you're, of the time. Well, or you're looking for guys who maybe you, you still... It has to be a guy that you believe in. And this is why... I'm sorry, I don't have a good answer to the question because I have to like look around the league and I got think one. about it. It's Davis. You, <laughs> it's Denny Avdia. Denny Avdia, yeah. He's not Denny super, Avdia super young. is a good example. But he's, yeah, he's mean, an example of a player that, that was drafted high on a team that's underperforming where he is also statistically underperforming and maybe a new place would actually serve him well. Yeah. I mean, Denny Avdi is shooting 40% from the field this year. He's averaging seven points per game. Yeah. Um, All of his defensive utility aside, which I think is very real and very legit, but that's not what you're expecting out of a top 10 pick, which he was only three years ago. But exactly to your point, I think it's guys like that who you're basically getting for, uh, you're you're trying to find a guy at the absolute, lowest point of their value and yeah. trying to revive their careers essentially if you're if you're going for youth yeah that's how or there's you know there's guys like kj martin that ne- weren't high draft picks that the sun yeah. have been connected to that you could yeah kj martin just i mean i don't mind kj martin we had the discussion already he's just strikes me as such a plug and play system player who's never going to be any better than he currently is and there's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah. that he's an nba and he'd player play but, on the suns you know he would play yeah but, but he's not he's not, not high an upside, upside yeah and I yeah. don't think there's, for the record, I'll just address quickly the, the first part. Should the youth be a point of emphasis in rotations? I don't think it needs to be any more than it is right now. Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker play the most minutes. DeAndre Ayton should play as much as he possibly can. And Cameron Payne as well. Outside of that, I, you know, there really is no youth on this team. We don't have, we don't have youth. Jock We're, Landale I, is 24. <laughs> it might not feel, it might not feel like it, but. Got to do Jock Landale internal development episode next season. I think the Suns are like the third oldest team in the NBA now. Yeah. Or their top five for sure. Yeah. So which know, it just tends to be like that with a lot of veteran teams, but it's like I think it really shows that even in a game like today, where you absolutely spanked the San Antonio Spurs, and it would be the perfect opportunity to have some young player that you can then throw out there right. for fifteen or twenty minutes and see what they're made of. We the Suns don't even have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the best they have is maybe Dwayne Washington Jr.'s on a two way contract, who I think Monty put out there for four minutes. <laughs> you know, so they just they really don't have a, a lot of youth on this team. Their youth are their twenty five year old star players. Uh, another player, I'll just throw out a name, DeAndre Hunter. I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be moved or traded, but it's just, you know, it's one of those guys where if they really want Dario, or if they really want Jay Crowder, I should say, uh, on the Hawks, and, you know, they're struggling, they're up and down. There was a report about Trey Young today and the coach beefing. 
you know, if they want somebody like Jay Crowder to be in there and be sort of the voice of the coach to the team, the tough guy to keep everyone in line, maybe the Suns can sneak in there at the right time and get a good young player that kind of does the things that Jay Crowder does, but with upside, uh, you know, injured a lot. That's the issue with him. But, you know, that's an example of somebody maybe who has slightly underperformed in the uh, team that is overall trying to win and underperforming at this point. Jay would certainly have a lot to teach Trey about not showing up to work when you don't feel like it. (laughs) I agree on that front. (laughs) Hey, Trey's got the contract. Um, Elias said, Elias Sib, I don't know how to say these names. Who you all got for the World Cup winner? And are you following soccer at all? So here's the deal. Well, actually, do you want to answer first? I'd say Brazil or France based on what I've seen. Probably choose one of those two teams. Aren't those, isn't that like rooting for a front runner? I'm saying who, he's asking who we think is going to win. Oh, well, who's the worst ranked? Whoever is the worst ranked is who I'm going to root for, oh, realistically. Well, well, were you I rooting, say, for, rooting for the I US don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, yes. Um, I don't know anything about soccer, I'm afraid to say. Um, it's not my sport. I will say, however, there is a great um, uh, beer warehouse in my city, which like stocks itself with international beers. And so mm. I hatched the idea to buy as many international beers representing <laughs> the various World Cup yeah. companies as possible. Yeah. Um, and I currently, I've bought all of them. My idea is to throw a little party uh, on the um, day of the final. Sorry, guys, you're not invited. But uh, <laughs> I have not checked off all of the countries because, as it turns out, Finding a Senegalese or a Moroccan beer is really fucking hard, mm. um, or yeah. or just like any of the African right. nations in general. So, if we have any timeline listeners in Africa who would like to mail me a beer and they think <laughs> that it could get here within two weeks, uh, I'm all ears. I know you said nobody is invited, but are there any? Do you know if there's any listeners of our podcast in your area, like where in and around where you I, live? I've had people, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've had people reach out to me before and be like, "Oh, hey, I'm in Western New York as well," but. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know if they're like consistent, like every episode listeners. Right, right, I'm not right. sure if that's just when the that's the deal or in. it's just like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just like, you know, they, they've listened before. And cool. I think that's I already think that's cool that there are other. I know for a fact there are other Suns fans in, in New York State for sure. And I know Sam said he doesn't follow soccer. He, the second part of the question was, are you following soccer at all? I like soccer. I do not follow it to the extent that I wish I could. Honestly, with the amount of basketball I watch and, and we watch, it's tough to follow anything else with like real intention because I try to watch games every day if I can. And uh, I basically, you know that that picture of Rob Lowe at the NFL game wearing like an NFL hat and just smiling watching football? Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically how I watch soccer. I'm just like, yeah, soccer, <laughs> this is great. I don't really know anything about the players or I know the rules. You know, I don't know much else beyond like strategy and stuff like that. I don't really fully understand I'm excited that. for for 2026, the, you know, the North American hosting cities like all over the country and, yeah. and also in Canada and Mexico. That should be really fun. Um, but no, I don't have like any <laughs> any short-term yeah. plans to get like super, super into the sport. I um I like the game. I think I like the game more than you a little bit. <laughs> um, let's see. All right. Nick asks, Nick H, it looks like, what's the regular season win ceiling if CP hypothetically sits out until the playoffs? Wow. What is their record since Chris Paul went out? Do you know? They, they struggled a little look, bit at first. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah. Let's see if we can You got to give me like a minute to All right. calculate it. I'll let you. I, I will say. Talk. Keep you talking. <laughs> I will say when it filibuster. comes filibuster. <laughs> when it comes to actually uh how they could look if Cameron Johnson's back, if they make a trade with Jay Crowder, those kinds of things matter. The where where they struggle the most without Chris Paul is bench minutes when both Devin Booker and Cameron Payne are out. Which nine you know, and four. Nine and four. Yeah, they could they probably are nine continue and four winning at Chris about that down. rate, right? I mean, nine and four is like a fifty-seven win. Wait, what is that? Nine and four is, oh Jesus! I gotta get the calculator out now too. You're look at what major. you guys make us do. <laughs> I was a math major, but that was a long time ago, man. I think they could continue winning at a pretty similar rate to that. You know, teams that's are starting like, a, like the that's Lakers. That's a fifty-seven are win pace. Well, there that's you go. so good. <laughs> that's so good, dude. That's already so good. I would have said like. If Chris, before the Chris Paul injury, I would have probably just said win at like a 48 win pace and I'm cool with that. 
or like a 46 win pace, you yeah. know, just like be a low seeded playoff team to continue winning like, at a 57 win pace would be crazy. It'll be interesting to see what happens with a Jay Crowder trade. Like, cause if they get like a, a legitimate backup point guard and a wing for Jay Crowder and Chris Paul's still out, I don't know. <laughs> Makes you think. It makes you think that he's out makes like you, he's out, out. Makes you wonder how long they expect him to be out, you know, if they yeah. start trading and moving for a guard, uh, you know, to try to play those backup minutes. Just makes you think. That's all. Uh, let's yeah. see. Like Bo- like Bogdan, for example. How cool, Kind of play point guard uh, for the bench, basically. How cool would it be if he came back this week for like the Celtics, for the Celtics game games? And just had that like. That would be so cool had like 30 assists and zero turnovers in those two games or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we can hope. Uh, this is from Yemi, frequent contributor in mailbags, asks Shout a lot of Yemi. good questions. Which do you prefer, using Jay as a trade chip for a smaller piece or packaging him with other guys for a bigger rotation player? Good question, because there is reason to believe that other guys will be moved. It's tough to find an exact salary match for somebody like Jay Crowder. What do you think? Indeed. Indeed. I, I, I mean, I don't know that I measure it as definitely one thing or definitely the other, though. But we know that the Suns are not using... <laughs> like, right now, they're using Dario Sharge out of pure necessity. They're, they're playing Dario Sharge for, like, 15 minutes per game because they absolutely just need to find another forward who they think can start and I guess for whatever reason Monty didn't want to start Ish Wainwright the past two games mm-hmm. um, so to me like a J plus Dario package deal that brings in a player who makes 20 to 25 million dollars back in return um, it, it's just very logical and, mm-hmm. and very natural but if you can't find the exact right guy you don't want to shoehorn it in it's a, like, you know like it doesn't have to be that so Seems like the Rockets are just going to go, we're not going to buy out Eric Gordon. You have the salary right there. Just find stuff to send back to us and you can right. have Eric Gordon, you know, and that's both of those guys combined basically can be traded for Eric Gordon. Outside of that, it's tough to get him. You know, you need to trade, you know, you could say Landry Shamit because Landry Shamit plays Shammett. the same position Shammett, of course. And maybe, yeah. maybe as far as the Rockets are concerned, they can talk themselves into Shamit just replacing the Eric Gordon minutes. Um, Otherwise, you know, Jay Crowder is going to have to go somewhere else and something else is going to come back, have to come back to the Rockets. But I think the Suns will continue to try. I don't think the Suns want to trade two players and get one player back. I think they want to trade. I think they want two players back for Jay Crowder if they trade Jay Crowder. That's and fine. if they trade two players, they want two players back as well. So they're going to, but they, you know, that's with, pretty easy. You know, it's yeah. easy to structure a deal that's $10 million plus $10 million for $20 million and one. Exactly. You, you know, you well, just, that was you the KJ Martin and Eric Gordon. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And I think that's the kind of move that they want. And I, but it's, you know, it is, there is some level of trying to convince a team like the Rockets to give up on a young guy like that in order for that to work. And I think that's where they're going to run into some trouble, but we'll see right. December 15th, 11 you know, days away, 11 days away from right now. We're also not considering the possibility that Yemi is talking about the third option, a secret third thing where you mm-hmm. combine Jay with, you know, Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton, and you make the Kevin Durant trade, right? right. Like that's still yeah. that's still the yeah. other discussion, which I don't know how <laughs> how accepting of that conversation mm-hmm. people are right now, but it's still there. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny because like the better that they Kevin play, Durant's but, still good. If you yeah, forgot, but the better that they they play, the more likely they'd be available in a Kevin Durant trade, and the less likely Suns fans would be to want to trade them. Uh, Include guys like Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Luhan said. Do you guys still hate the Spurs as much as we all used to during the seven seconds or less days? I uh, no. don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Not at all. Right? Not at all. Um, even if they get Wemby, man, I like Wemby a lot. Like, I really like him. Yeah. I guess I could be convinced to hate him. Oh, if they're good again, I'll find ways. Yeah. If, if I'm presented with some <laughs> yeah. evidence. Yeah. But, but it is uh, very, it's the Mad Men scene, right? I don't, I yeah. don't think about you at all. <laughs> I don't yeah, think about also, the Spurs you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like I like Devin Vassell too. You know, yeah, I, I'm still really mad I like that Johnson. <laughs> we, yeah. Devin Vassell should be a son. Exactly, Devin Vassell or Tyrese Halliburton or Desmond Bain. One yeah. of the three mm-hmm. should be a son, and instead we got, you know, so no, I I, I don't hate the Spurs <laughs> anymore. But uh, Mungo Beanfield said, other than Devin Booker, which Suns player has been the most important this season? Uh, Mikhail, DA, campaign, all viable options, IMO, and I agree with him. Is it crazy? Is it is it 
Well, it's probably Mikhail Bridges, right? Like he plays like 40 minutes yeah, per game. Yeah. And he even even today was kind of crazy because we thought maybe he was listed as probable. And then uh, when it was announced that he was playing, we thought maybe he was just going to do the thing where he plays for 10 or 15 minutes just to continue the streak, but that actually he wouldn't look 100%. He came out of the gate lagging a little bit, mm-hmm. like dragging his legs. And then he made like six threes and had a fantastic game and, <laughs> and you know, soared for offensive rebounds yeah. and all this other stuff. So it's and probably Mikhail Bridges. Suns still have the fifth best defensive rating. He's guarding right. the best player on the other team every night. I was just thinking, though, about like, well, is it maybe does campaign deserve consideration? Well, because of how good he's been for the most part. And because can you imagine if Dwayne Washington Jr. was this if team's campaign was guard? bad? I think that would have a larger impact than if Mikhail and D.A. were bad on a regular basis. You know, what? Is that wrong? I mean, like it I, I was kind of Mc- bad for a stretch and the Suns were still winning games. Yeah. You know, but I don't think Mikhail's been bad for any stretch at any point this season. Yeah, now, I don't true, think that's true. You don't know what had, that's like. Yeah. Mikhail hasn't had the highs that D.A. has had either yeah. because he didn't win player of the week. But I think we've just gotten to a point with Mikhail Bridges where it's so easy to take what he does for granted because there he is. He gives you 16, five and three uh, hits a few threes and guards the best player every night and that's just what he does yeah and if we didn't have that all of a sudden for whatever reason right every team or, needs or it. otherwise yeah <laughs> then um we would quickly be saying to ourselves well fuck you know here's josh akogi <laughs> playing 30 <laughs> minutes a game who can't missing like, i like three, josh akogi yeah. i love his energy but you know it would be felt very very quickly i think he's like one for 18 from three now um, he had a great game tonight and shot two for 10 which is hilarious like i thought he was great but he still couldn't, didn't do anything on offense. He was awesome. Maybe a couple offensive rebounds. He was awesome. Uh, there's a case for eight and two. He he is uh, the anchor of the defense still, and I think sometimes he does the things that he does defensively, and you know sometimes he's great and sometimes he's okay, but he's never bad. You know when it comes to how he plays defense, there's some second effort things that can go awry. Uh, but he's just so solid defensively, and I think he anchoring the defense. I think is there's a case for all three of those guys. I think that's the right the right way to phrase the question um, from the guy who gave it to us. Uh, all three of those guys have cases to be made for all of them, and I think yeah, yeah. If you picked any one of them, including Cameron Payne, I think I could find a way to agree with you. Uh, let's see, Force Master seventy six said, "How much do you guys trust Payne come playoff time? <sighs> if he's coming off the bench." I feel okay. I feel much, much, much better than last year if he's coming off the bench. I really do buy into um, the growth as a, a playmaker, but also just that his shooting is back and is consistent. I think to see how he has learned to work with DeAndre, and you had some great stats in last week's episode, Sam, about that, shows an ability to adapt and change based on the personnel that he's playing with, and I think that's going to make a big difference. And I also think maybe we a little bit underrate the fact that he really was kind of dealing with nagging injuries all last season. So if he's healthy and Chris Paul's healthy going into the playoffs, I feel pretty good about Cameron Payne at this point. Yeah, I just hope he's not starting. You know. Yeah. No, if he's a, if he's a starter, you know, I wouldn't issue. put it all on no. him. You know, it's not his fault at that point. It, you know, he's just put in the position. I, you know how I feel about the Suns as a team changes if he's starting. I don't know. We'll see what happens after a Jay Crowder trade, though. You know, things things are going to change pretty soon for the Suns as far as, hopefully for the better, as far as how we feel about the bench. Uh, T-Bolt says, would you still give up DA and Mikhail in a KD trade? Oh, there it is. I was yeah. wondering if someone would ask. Yeah. So he's forcing uh, he's forcing our hands here. You go first. I would have, I've, I've said it already on the podcast. I would have probably done that in the offseason and I would not do it now. Interesting. You yeah. would not do it now. Yeah. I mean, I'm. You don't trust hypothetical starting center Jock Landell? I would give up DA before I gave up. <laughs> I would give up DA before I gave up Mikhail still. Yeah. You know, I would try to do it with Aiton, Picks, and somebody um, else. I would not. Because I don't think the defense makes sense if you trade Mikhail. Let me just. I think you can get away with just guys at center much better than you can get away with just guys guarding the best player on the other team. So here's what you're saying no to. I'm just going to read it out. Yeah, It's not going to change your mind, but I just want to read it out. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant this year, he's averaging 29.8 points per game. That's more than Devin Booker. 
He's one of the six players in the league who can say that. Yeah. 6.6 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.8 blocks per game. He's crazy, man. He's 30. <laughs> he's 34 years old. Yeah. 55% from the field, 35% from deep, 92% from the free throw line at eight free throw attempts per game. Um, I'm saying yes. If, if yeah, Brooklyn's I, open to it, I'm I think it's a yes. fair thing and to say yes to, out. but like, I would feel a lot better about saying yes. If we saw like a healthy Chris Paul at this point, you'd be giving away the second and third best player on the suns for, yeah, for Kevin Durant. And yes, you would get an all time great player back in return. But the only way it works is if Chris Paul comes back, plays well, and plays healthy. And even still, you're going to have to claw your way to having a good defense. Because the defense is going to fall apart when you get rid of both those players. I don't know. I mean, I th- I think you could... You could make the case that you're doing it for next season, though. And in that case, I think you probably made the right trade. It's just it's th- yeah. tough to fix all the things that you lose in this season if you expect to win a championship this season. I think you're probably not going to win this season if you do that. Which I mean, at that point, like which way would you rather lose? Would you rather lose with Kevin Durant or not? And I think <laughs> you have a pretty good case when it comes to how you feel about it. Mm. Uh, Captain Peep says, how long have y'all known each other? How, how uh, we no, we don't well, know exactly. It's been a long time at this point, Sam. So we met on the internet. I guess we'll do the annual spiel for any new listeners who don't know yet. Um, we met on uh, this little app called reddit.com. I guess at the time it wasn't even an app. At the it time was it was a, a website where people go, was, what are you doing on that website? Hacking? It was just, <laughs> yeah, a website for, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, like, no, it's a forum. Yeah. it's it, it was that website at the time where if you told... I don't, I don't know, man. Like, if, if people knew that you used it, I guess it's still kind of this way. Reddit has a certain reputation. <laughs> but it's like, if old people found out that you used Reddit and, yeah, they thought it was something having to do with hacking, and then all of a sudden your grandparents are asking you to fix their TV yeah, um, and switch the HDMI setting on, <laughs> on their TV or to do some light IT work or yeah. something. So, yeah, it was weird at the time, and uh, we're not as active on Reddit as we used to be. Um, however... It, it was fun. It was Goran Dragic was the best player on the Suns. We'll say that, right? Yeah. I mean, it was that yeah. long ago. We got to know each other online for a few years before you asked me if you wanted to or if I wanted to start a podcast, and I said yes mm-hmm. because I was in college at the time, didn't really have anything going on other than schoolwork, um, and was more than happy to to give it a shot. And four or five years later, here we are. Yeah, it must have been. 2014 maybe when we first met yeah probably around probably around 2015 yeah 2014 2015 yeah so long time now uh let's see pete says thoughts on a trade for damar the bulls are bad Mm. and i like it more than levine i'll say that people are pillaging the bulls trying to figure out ways to get players from them I'd have to see, I, I'm not going to do it now, I'd have to see a pitch that actually shows me what the Suns could do that they would say yes to. When I think about right now, try to be realistic about the Bulls, and if they start trying to pivot, I want Caruso. I would love Caruso. I think he would be a good player to have. He's kind of like the best possible version of a Kogi. <laughs> Just this guy who can get in there, mess things up, but actually can play Shoot. offense. Should I say something really slanderous? Sure. <laughs> Swap Mikhail Bridges and DeMar DeRozan, right? If you gave Mikhail Bridges DeMar DeRozan's role on the Chicago Bulls and he just <laughs> took 18 <laughs> shots per game, would he score less? <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit less. I don't know. He yeah, sh- he would he'd sc- probably he would shoot score. more threes. He would score less. Yeah. I, I mean, DeMar, I'm looking at the stats now, and I do see DeMar gets to the line eight times per game, which is admittedly really and he makes good for a guy still at his age. And shots, yeah. But as a mid-range scorer, <laughs> is Mikhail significantly worse yeah. at this point? I'm not sure he is. He's I'm, a I'm lot worse sure at creating is. his own shot, which is, I think, the reason people will it's say true. this. Um, I, I'm totally off of Levine, if anyone tries to suggest Levine, because I just don't think you can build a workable defense uh, like I don't think you can have a top five defense if Zach Levine is one of those players who's playing thirty to thirty five minutes. Honestly, per game. Levine I, I just and Cat, don't think you can. Levine and Cat were made for each other, and they should have never been split up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is just a guard version of Cat. Um, I'll say this just quickly on Demar too. Uh, I don't think the Suns would trade for him. I just don't think they would. I, but I would like to see if somebody wants to give me a pitch on that. 
of what you think the Bulls would want from the Suns that would make sense for them without giving up players that are good, you know, for the Suns to actually be good later. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it because I don't, I don't think this, I don't just don't think it makes sense. I don't see how the he's making work. 27 a yeah. year and is an expiring contract next year. Uh, well, I guess that's a way of saying he has one year left on his deal. Yeah, yeah next year. So 27 is not necessarily like that's not, you don't have to give up Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre. Ayton yeah, but why package. would they want Jay Crowder, Dario Sharitz, and Landry Samrat or whatever? You know, well, would they want Jay Crowder? I mean, I still think the answer is no. But would they want Jay Crowder, Dario Sharitz, and Suns fans might not like this one, but Cam Johnson and picks? Right. So and then that's he becomes the way your that, starting. Then he becomes your starting right. power forward. And that's that's where I would wouldn't do it. You know, that's I'm not interested really at that point. Well, really? No, I don't think I am. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I am. No. I think that the one of the reasons the Suns are so good is that everything just makes sense. And when you start to make things make less sense, it's going to make them less good. Even if you're starting to appears. sound suspiciously like you're into this continuity thing, Mike. <laughs> I am. Once Cameron Johnson a, was to, slotted into the starting lineup, it made a lot of sense to me. To a point, you have every right to be, but you still, I think, you still have to be willing to admit. Um, that there are limitations. Now, is DeMar DeRozan the answer to those limitations? No, I don't think he is. I yeah, that's that's the whole thing for me. Is that I I think you're to me if you're saying we should make this trade so that we could lose before the finals in a different way than we would lose with the team that we have, <laughs> then I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, I just like, let's just keep the team we have and see what we do because it all makes sense. But if you're saying let's make this trade and we'll lose differently this year, then I'm like no, I, I'd rather keep what we have and now we have assets to try and adjust based on next off season. So I guess that's just how I look at it. Uh, let's see. Jao Barros, I don't know how to say your name, I apologize. Would you rather have an owner that doesn't go deep into the tax but is willing to invest in the organization, as in having a G League team, lots of scouts, player development, or an owner that does not care about that but is willing to go deep in the tax for the right <laughs> stars? That's a, a bizarre question to me because I can't comprehend. If you're already willing to go into the tax, why not have a G League team? You that know, is like, Sarver. Seems- is that Sarver? Right now it is. How deep are we into the tax? We're not very Pretty deep. deep. I mean, we're in the tax. Like $10 million, $10 million? $15 million? There are teams out here paying $90 million tax payments. $100 million. I think that the tax payment does not necessarily mean you're going to be good, as we've seen with the Clippers so far. Yeah. They have to be smart and make the right decisions as well. And, you know, luck matters too. As I mean, as it doesn't. Go. It doesn't always mean you're going to be good, but there's definitely a correlation. You can't deny it. And because you don't see teams out here on the other end of the spectrum that are in the salary floor that haven't even paid the minimum amount to players that they need to, right? It's very rare to see a team like that that is kicking ass. Most of those teams are are tanking teams. I um don't want to choose. <laughs> I guess it's better to be in the tax than not be in the tax because then... You, I mean, if you have a GM like James Jones, <laughs> then you might as well have the one where, like, I don't know. Yeah. If you're Sam Presti, you want the first one. If you're James Jones, you want the second one. So I guess right now with James Jones, I'd rather have the one going into the tax, especially with I, Devin Booker firmly in his prime. I want both. Yeah, I want, I want <laughs> and both. I think, I think any good GM wants both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeti. Oh, wait, I skipped one here. This is a great question. Actually, you and I talked about it during the playback, but let's talk about it here. Tell me how... This is from Brian Abdallah. Tell me how DA can make the all-star team. What would his numbers have to be? So this was the case, and this is something brought up by Zach Lowe on his podcast. I'll break it down real quick for you. The Suns have the best record in the Western Conference. If the Suns have the best record in the Western Conference come all-star selection time, Chris Paul is not going to be the second all-star. Clearly, they're going to get Devin Booker in. Chris Paul has not played enough, and when he has played, he hasn't played well enough to be selected an all-star. So the question at that point would be, one, do the Suns get two all-stars? And then two, who is the second all-star if they do? And then three, the real truth is they probably won't (laughs) based on how I feel about how things happen. So who will we be mad about? And also, how does that help Devin Booker's MVP campaign? at that point. So you know, if Aiton gets close to 20 points per game, I think he's probably going to get in at that point, right? Yeah, I, I think a, a really 
a narrative could be spun for Aiton really easily at that point. Because if he just, just keeps playing at, how he is right now, <laughs> I mean, know, he's an all-star if he does. Carl Anthony Towns was not having a particularly good season to begin with, but the Timberwolves really not having a good season, and now he's injured. In addition to that, Rudy Gobert, definitely not an all-star candidate with the way the, the Timberwolves and he are playing. Um, so that takes two, like, typical every year you can slot them in at power forward or center, takes two candidates out right there, and kind of just leaves you with Anthony Davis, who's been phenomenal, he's a lock, and to uh, Jokic, obviously, is a lock. Mm-hmm. Who is the third best center in the Western Conference currently, if it's not DeAndre Ayton? Right. And then you go beyond that, and the forwards aren't that great either, right? Because you can the forwards can be sort of slotted in at right. Because Kawhi, Kawhi is not going to be there. Kawhi is not going to be there. I mean, LeBron will get in. Yeah, he's LeBron definitely going to get, get in. in. You know, I don't know. Paul George is going to probably. I think get Paul in. George might get in. Yeah, he will. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, you know, it's, I think there is some cannibalizing of votes between Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton because. It's just, you know, the kind of players you like and, and voters will vote based on what they like. Um, but I do think that DeAndre Ayton right now is making the case. The issue with him is it's been five or six games of it and that's not enough. So he'd have to do that a lot more uh, in order for him to be there. But if he gets like nine, if he gets like 19 points, 18, 19 points per game, the Suns have the best record. Chris Paul's played 10 games or whatever it's been. Then, you know, it's it'd be tough to not put him in there I still think there's the most likely scenario is that Devin Booker is the only all-star for the Suns and then maybe someone gets injured and then somebody else gets added in like DeAndre and as a replacement player that's probably the most likely scenario in my mind you know I just thought of a third guy who might get a spot over Aiton um just at that like power forward center spot mm-hmm. is a uh, Sabonis oh, yes that's right it, he probably depending will. on depending on just how good the Kings record is but I don't know that's gonna be difficult too because like would you rather, right. if the Kings are only going to get one spot, would you give it to Darren Fox or Sabonis? And Probably if you Fox. give it to Dar- yeah. if you give it to Fox, now there are more good guards yeah, in the Western that's true. Conference. Maybe he doesn't. But get if you in. give it to Fox, can you really argue? Like, let's say here we are at the All Star break. The Suns are thirty and fifteen, and the Kings are twenty three and twenty one. Can you really argue that the Kings deserve two All Stars and the Suns deserve one? It's it's gonna be it's gonna get weird. It's not logical. I know, and it kind of never has been. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I kind of feel like no matter what happens, uh, we win though. Because if we do get a second All Star, then we get a second All Star, and we get to watch De- DeAndre Ayton most likely, or Mikael Bridges, but most likely DeAndre Ayton in the All Star game. And if it doesn't happen, then I just use it for my Booker MVP campaign. That's right. Uh, and and so I kind of feel like I win no matter what. Right. Especially if someone like Andrew Wiggins starts again, um, that won't happen. <laughs> Can't give it to Steph at that point. He's got an all-star teammate. Devin Booker doesn't. Uh, Yeti asks, should DA focus on developing a pick and pop three? I feel like it would be worthwhile to explore and the spacing it would create would help the team as a whole. Um, I'm out on eight and shooting threes. What do you think? <laughs> I like the I like what he currently does. Yeah. Just take one when it's wide open, you know, once Especially if the game are up. or once every other game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Maybe not if the Suns are trying to come back. Maybe it's, work it to get a better shot. I just don't think philosophically, I don't think big men, like your literal five, it's different if you're a power forward. But if you're a center, I don't think it works to shoot threes unless you're going to shoot a lot of threes. Like that needs to be your thing. If you're shooting two threes a game, it doesn't, like I'd rather have you close to the basket where I know you can finish easy plays for the most part. And that's that's how I feel about DeAndre Ayton at this point in his career. If it's going to be a trailer occasionally, uh, like within the flow of the early offense or, or whatever, or just a play where they're absolutely ignoring you and they're nowhere near you, that is fine. That is one thing. Uh, but I don't otherwise need to consistently take one of the best finishers in the league away from the basket. For two games in a row, Mikael Bridges was wide open for the, at the three-point line pretty significantly, basically the whole game. The main reason Mikael Bridges was wide open at the three-point line was the spacing that DeAndre Ayton creates at the rim. It's not always spacing just necessarily at the three-point line. And his usefulness as a floor spacer, if you will, at the rim, compared to what it would be at the three-point line where there's no reason to guard him currently, is magnified. So I just, you know, 
I'd rather have him rolling a lot. Rather have him posting up, sealing, getting to the rim as much as possible. Guys will get open based on the gravity that he has at the rim. It is funny how we use different words. We call we call shooters floor spacers and we say gravity for guys rolling to the rim. But it's the same thing. You know, it's gravity at the rim. It's gravity at the three-point line. It's spacing at the rim. It's spacing at the yeah. three-point line. It's the same exact totally. thing. Uh, let's see. We have time for a few more. Is This is from Matt. Is Devin Booker very good and why? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> He's very good. He's very good. He's okay. <laughs> this is from Nanit Nash Jr. If we win the title this season, are we going to three-peat? <laughs> We're really getting the the real dramatic ones here at the end here. <laughs> uh, you said these are random just from... Uh, this is just, just like in the order. the algorithm presented them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I'll scroll around and see if I can find one more to end with. Oh, that's interesting. No, I won't. I mean, this one says, would you consider trading CP3 for a qualified big? What is a qualified big? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just have no idea. Uh, when do you predict a trade will come, if at all? Um, December after 18th. December fifteenth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you say December eighteenth. Yeah, just throw out a date after December fifteenth. I'm gonna say a Christmas miracle. Suns fans will open up uh, <laughs> their Christmas presents, and one of them will be news of a Jay Crowder trade. Uh, I like that. Oh, you know what? I skipped a question that was non basketball related. This is a perfect time to ask. This is from Nicholas Stick, good old Nipstick, on. Twitter top three most listened to artists in 2022 slash favorite film in 2022. Oh man. Two um, questions. I know my top artists. I haven't thought about my I favorite don't, film. I don't actually literally know my top artists. Uh, I only know um, because Spotify told me I'll just say them real quick. Wet leg. Number one, number two, Viagra boys. Number three, Paul McCartney, which surprised me. Really? <laughs> and really? I did listen to a lot of Paul McCartney at the Old. beginning of the year. He's old. No, I'm kidding. I mean, all, I like all of McCartney the music too. I was listening to by Paul McCartney was well before I was born, uh, for yeah, for the record. Um, but I um, did get really into the album Ram, which is the Paul McCartney album immediately post Beatles, yep. where he was writing diss tracks about John Lennon. And I think it's very good. Uh, but I listened to some of the rest of his catalog, basically all in order, just out of curiosity, post Beatles at the beginning of the year. And I think all of that combined just added up to making him one of the most listened to artists for me. I would co-sign Wet Leg and um, Viagra Boys, by the way. They're both great. Slightly different styles of and great. And two brand new albums um, this year that were both good. It was nice to have new music. Yes, those are those are new. Um, and did you make a playlist ever, by the way, of all the songs that people recommended Oh, no, I you? couldn't do or that. Or was like that too much work? It's like 200 replies yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will continue to harass you with uh, suggestions when I can. Um, new movies. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite movie that came. Well, I guess, are we interpreting this as best movie you watched or best movie that came out in 2022? Favorite film in 2022. I would say that sounds like it would come out in 2022. Come out in 2022. I have a whole host. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I think a million people have talked about is still, is still really, really good. Came out towards the beginning of the year and I still recommend that people see it. I'm really happy about the fact that that movie actually made money, which is really hard to see these days for indie films. Um, more recently I saw... Uh, a movie which I think is probably going to get like nominated for a bunch of Oscars, but lose all of them if I had to guess. Um, mm-hmm. Banshees of Sharon with Colin Farrell. Um, it's an Irish film. Martin mm-hmm. McDonough, who most recently made three billboards uh, outside Ebbing, Missouri several years ago. I thought that was really, really, really good. And I strongly recommend that one as well in terms of screenplay. But I saw like I saw a lot of good movies this year, especially like indie film wise. I think it was a strong year for for movies as far as I can tell. I just saw a couple days ago too. I just saw the new Spielberg movie, which is the Fablemans, which yeah, is literally it. about. It's literally about him, yeah. and like you would. I went in thinking this is going to be such an obnoxious, like self-indulgent <laughs> piece of garbage <laughs> of just two hours of Spielberg jerking himself off. Uh, but it was really good, <laughs> and I, en- you know what, I enjoyed it, and it was about the power of cinema, and like, it, yeah, it was just a, it was a fun time. So. People who love movies love movies about movies. Uh, <laughs> that tends to be the case. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. I'll co-sign with everything, every, everywhere, all at once. I, I did not see enough movies this year compared to a normal year for me, but that movie blew me away. It was such a fun and weird theater experience, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, so yeah, I think that's all we got. I appreciate everyone for asking questions. I'm sorry if we did not get to your questions. We try 
to keep these at a relatively sane runtime and not go too long uh, with too many questions. But we'll try to do another mailbag. This is our first one of the season so far. Uh, so thanks, everyone. We will put out a poll on Twitter regarding which game we should do for playback. We're definitely going to do either the Boston Celtics game on ESPN, number one seed versus number one seed, or the Pelicans game on Friday, which may also be on ESPN, actually, um, which is which will be the number one seed versus the number two seed, potentially, at that point of the game. Uh, but other than that, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to join our Patreon and hang out on our discord with us here extra podcast starts as low as three dollars a month patreon.com slash the timeline thanks guys <laughs>